It's a weekly dose for August 2nd, 2017. Today's guest is the chairman of the board of directors for the Chattanooga Football Club, Tim Kelly, talks about why Major League Soccer doesn't have the best talent in the world. The MLS is a single entity that employs all those players. They actually work for MLS as an entity and then kind of get loaned to each team. And on the open market, the rest of the of world soccer is a really vicious and competitive open player market. And very frankly, MLS can't really afford uh, the best players in the world. And if, when, and why the Chattanooga Football Club moves up from the National Premier Soccer League. We're not going to do it next year. I'll get that out of the way. But if we do it, the reason we will be doing it is because it's the way to move up and still preserve the unique soccer culture of, of uh, Chattanooga FC, the fundamental culture of the team. Also, a trip to Nashville, tequila just ain't my thing. Don't be scared, or should you? And the mess in D.C., well, it's really not a big deal. This is the Stone on Air podcast, the weekly dose for August 2nd, 2017. What the hell is that? What would you say you do here? It's Stone's Weekly Dose. It's very hard to say my name correctly. You're like, Brian! What's your deal, man? Well, you know what us ultra-liberals say. When it comes to drugs, lies are okay. Your midweek download destination. Finally, it's cool to be a Chattanooga. Finally, it's cool to embrace this city. When some of us have been saying this for 25 years. Mic drop. Turn off the podcast. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Note to self, don't die. Welcome into the show, everybody. It is the Weekly Dose. For August 2nd, 2017, this is the Stone On Air Podcast. My name is Brian Stone, at Stone On Air on all social medias. Follow along, like and share and love, and I will do the same for you, most likely. Lots of stuff coming up on the show today. I'll tell you more about it and unfold it here in just seconds. Time flies and it ain't got a thing to do with it, whether you're having any fun or not. More on that coming up in Stone's Throw. Before I even get started, I have to say thanks to somebody real quick. Who is a regular listener and just as a co-worker and, you know, ultimately a buddy of mine in the end. Mike Allen, sales representative for Carter Distributing Company. Uh, I don't remember exactly what the deal was or why we were working out what we were working, but... Um, Dropped me off, just out of the kindness of his heart, a, uh, a bottle of gin uh, last night, or in the evening time, and I hadn't had any gin in about three days. Now, I have said it out loud many times, I, uh, I have a little bit of a dependency on the drink, as do most people I know, as a matter of fact, but really when it comes right down to it, I have a dependency mostly on the good old-fashioned gin and tonic. You can give me all the booze in the world that you want, and I'll have one or two of them. But if it's not gin and tonic mix at some point, I'm going to feel like my night is missing out. So I was leaving. I'm going to tell a, a quick story before I talk to Tim Kelly at the end of the show in the third segment about my trip to Nashville for the uh, Manchester City and Tottenham uh, friendly at Nissan Stadium. I'll talk more about that in the third segment. But I was leaving Saturday morning for that. And then, of course, with these ridiculously stupid, 
stupid laws that we can't buy booze on Sundays after we change all these laws over the last three or four years, as we've now finally gotten with the rest of the states as far as alcohol by volume, percentages, who can sell it, who can't sell it. The one dumbass law we haven't changed is that stores are mandated to be closed on Sunday, I guess, because God would be pissed off at them if they weren't. I'm not sure of the reason, but whatever. So I knew that I wasn't going to be able to get to the store unless I made it right before we left town on Saturday. And then I wasn't even sure what time they opened on Saturday. So I was like, okay, I'm just screwed. I'm just stuck. So I'm off to Nashville, and then I get home Sunday, and I can't get any gin. And then I get home Monday, and I was uh, kind of a little sluggish from a long weekend. I said, you know what? I'm not even going to get any gin here either. I'll just get by, and let's see how <laughs> – let's test myself. Let's see how bad it is. And it kind of sucked. I, I really wanted one. So my friend that's a girl – she is a, uh, a big tequila drinker, and uh, she likes tequila pineapple, like tequila, lots of mixtures, but tequila pineapple is what I have here uh, specifically. And I think that's absolutely disgusting. I don't like pineapple juice, but I don't mind pineapple orange with vodka. And I have plenty of tonic, so I thought surely a little tequila tonic can't be that bad. <laughs> Wrong. Disgusting. Surely tequila... Pineapple orange can't be that bad. <laughs> Wrong. Terrible. I felt like I had a hangover headache from just having a couple of these drinks. And so I woke up on Tuesday and was just like, I felt better because I didn't drink much. And I hadn't drank much in the last few days. And just thought, well, I'm a little broke right now. I didn't really want to go buy a bottle of gin. And then boom, Mike shows up with a bottle of uh, Bombay gin. So thank you very much. Having myself a delicious gin and tonic right now as we speak so like i mentioned third segment tim kelly will be on to talk about the future of the chattanooga football club there might be potential opportunity there's not might be there totally is opportunity to move up into the higher into the professional ranks as they're basically just a amateur team now and one of the finest run and most well attended and, and supported amateur team in the country and that do you move up we'll talk to tim about that here in a few minutes, entrepreneurial irresponsibility and capitalistic misbehavior is what I'm going to kind of categorize one little segment that I'm going to talk about here in the first segment before I get to Stone's Throw. Stone's Throw will be the first time I've mentioned the White House and the president and the mess that's kind of going on in the country from that standpoint, but it's less about him and more about us. We'll do that in the Stone's Throw segment. Get things started off here on the Stone on Air podcast with don't live in fear is what I always say. Do not live in fear. And no matter if that involves terrorism or if that involves bank robberies or if that involves home invasion or if that involves personal attacks, whatever it is, I always say don't live in fear. Don't live your life fearing something you can't do anything about. Now, I am a brown-haired, blue-eyed, middle-aged, healthy thin, somewhat attractive, white guy. So yeah, of course, I'm not all that scared of much. What the hell do I have to be scared about? But I still think a general rule is don't fret the things that you can't do anything about. And often we talk about crime in the city and sometimes uh, the city of Chattanooga and a lot of times people say, well, there's a lot of stuff going on we don't know about. And and then sometimes I question that. And then other times, now that I've been away from the radio, uh, news radio business for a year, I, I realize that maybe there is a lot of things we're not hearing about. And then I hear about gangbangers killing each other, and you hear about the projects killing each other. And I, I just, that just doesn't, doesn't bother me. I mean, I don't like it. I'm not happy it's happening. But it doesn't, it doesn't upset me to the point where it, 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 it interrupts my day. 
If a bunch of gangbangers all want to kill themselves, go right ahead. Don't mean dick to me. But I've often thought and said out loud or just to people, listen, nobody's, nobody cares about you. Nobody's going to come up and try to hurt you or kill you or rob you. Most likely, that's not happening very often. Well, until occasionally every now and again, it does. And if you've heard by now, Renaissance Park back in the middle of July, there was exactly that. It was a shooting in Renaissance Park right down from one North Shore. And all that nice um, development, storefronts, living space, just a, a really, really nice area in, uh, in Renaissance Park. A 22-year-old man was charged with murder in the connection with a deadly shooting at Renaissance Park earlier in July. His name was Tyree Corley. He shot and killed 45-year-old Kathy Hardy during a robbery. Sean Hardy, the victim's husband, told police he and his wife were on a pier in the park shortly after midnight on July 16th where they were approached by three black males who demanded all their belongings. He said one of the men uh, had a gun, and Sean, the, the male, jumped over the rail into the river. His wife was shot. Now, how that went down and what you should have done is not what this is about. In the end, somebody was dead in what turns out to be, it looks like, a crime of opportunity. During the investigation, police found a witness who saw the three black men in a brisk and determined walk fleeing from the area towards Cherokee Boulevard and Manufacturers Road. So what I always tell people to not to not be scared of just happened. And so when I hear something like that, and I'm always a little selfish when it comes to stories around the world, around the region, around the country, of if I identify with it, it concerns me. If I don't identify, I don't worry about it. I could have been sitting on that pier with my friend that's a girl with a tequila and a gin each, and we could have been tried to be robbed and potentially shot at. That could have happened to me. It does concern me. What is the newest news since the last podcast was this dude, Tyree Corley, 22 years old, who was charged in that murder died a few days ago at the end of July at a local hospital from injuries received while trying to hang himself in Hamilton County Jail. So my next question to that is, how big of a gangbanging operation is that, that this guy has such a situation that he is uh, in such trouble, not with the law as much as with the, with the with riffraff that he runs with, that his life is probably over no matter what and might as well ended on his own. So I don't mean to scare people, but I guess I do mean to say, don't listen to me all the time because I would have told you to not worry about this kind of stuff. And clearly this kind of stuff, even in Chattanooga, Tennessee, can't happen. Stones throw in less than five minutes. So there was a chicken joint downtown. Now, just what this town needs, more chicken joints and more barbecue joints, right? But there's a chicken joint that opened in between Applebee's and Panera Bread in downtown Chattanooga called what was it called? Henpecked Chicken, a Nashville hot chicken style concept that would they wanted to turn into a franchise by a Nashville group called Halo Restaurant Group, put together last year by a guy named Craig Perry. He comes from a background in investment management and really just wanted to make a big splash in the restaurant industry in the city of Nashville and all around the southeast. He works in finance and investment management. He sees nothing but potential in the restaurant industry, even though restaurants are sometimes known more for losing money than making it. This is from a uh, Nashville business blog. To achieve those large returns, Perry knows he'll need scale, which is why you should expect Halo Restaurant Group to grow at a blistering pace. All right, so they got taco joints. They got pizza joints. 
They're just trying to open up something every which way with all kinds of different investors. So back at the beginning of the year, they take over that building that was Noodles something or other in between Applebee's and Panera Bread. So admittedly, sounds like a pretty good spot to be right in between to open up this chicken joint, which opened in, if it was April, it was the last couple days of April. I think it was more like right around May. We'll call it we'll call it May for the sake of this conversation. This is from the Chattanooga Dimes Free Press back in February. Story, who is one of the managers of the building, said the henpecked chicken name was a result of brainstorming within the group. The Halo official said the restaurant's location between Applebee's and Panera has traffic during the week, and they believe it will generate enough business on weekends and weeknights. If people find parking, hopefully we'll get people walking in, said the Halo officials. Yeah, if you get parking, which you won't, then you might get some business. But here's what I don't understand. So this place went out of business just the other day. And this is entrepreneurial irresponsibility and capitalistic misbehavior. This restaurant group, trying to open at a blistering pace, maybe just for the sake that they can look good on their Facebook page, opened up a store with, I don't know how much it cost, but I've looked at the cost of opening businesses from a franchise or not a franchise level and, and a fully scaled restaurant. You're talking half a million dollars, three quarters of a million dollars, sometimes even more than that. This is a massive investment in the middle of downtown Chattanooga where, where overhead is as high as you could get. And these clowns couldn't even open up a store that lasted three months as the henpecked chicken joint closed at the end of July. These ass clowns couldn't even put together enough capital, business sense, and savvy to understand what they were doing to have enough capital to get them through, hell, six months or a year. This is capitalistic insanity. This is entrepreneurial irresponsibility. You can't just start throwing around money and hoping enough people walk into the door. You have to have yourself paid through the startup phase. And it, and when you bring in people in, you bring in people, you've, you've, you've got career potential uh, employees that have come on board, that have bought into what you're selling, and they're all on board. And three months later, boom, they're out of a job. Just because you can invest a bunch of money in something doesn't mean you should. Just because you really want to expand your portfolio doesn't mean you have the capital to do so. Understand what you're doing. Make sure you have a good game plan and don't invest in places that are guaranteed failures, which there is a handful in Chattanooga, all over Brainerd Road, handful of Shallowford Road, a few downtown as well that are guaranteed losers and some sucker always comes in and thinks I can do it better. I'm all for entrepreneurial ideas. I'm some semi-one myself. I'm all for capitalism and making all the money you can. Just don't be an absolute idiot about it. Do I care that a chicken place is gone in downtown Chattanooga? No. But I think it's absolutely absurd that massive capital was borrowed, bonds, debt, hopes and dreams shattered because they couldn't put together an idea that could last longer than three months. Yeah, that concerns me. My thoughts on the status of the White House and the current administration, and it has less to do with that and more to do with the perception issues of you, me, and everybody around us. In Stone's Throw. Heads up. It's Stone's Throw. Wait, what? Oh, whoa. Back up the truck. What are you talking about? Is technology making us mentally ill? Look at me. I'm stupid. I can't do math. This is not making sense to the young adult anymore, and they're tired of it. Does that satisfy you? Are you satisfied now? So what's going on in the White House right now in this current administration, regardless of what side you come down on, whether you're pro or against, 
Whether you think it's terrible or great, I'm just going to say this is not a big deal. You might think it's a big deal, again, from whichever side you come from. I'm just here to tell you it's not a big deal. You often hear about depth perception, right? You know, like when something looks really close and it's actually really far away or vice versa. Now that uh, objects in mirror are closer than they appear kind of thing. It can fool you. It can confuse you. It can distort you for sure. But less about that, I want to talk more about time passage perception, which I think is can have the same effects on somebody from a totally different aspect of your life. The average human being walking around has trouble with the concept of time passage perception. And in a sense, it's understandable. And really, it starts with, with children because they have terrible understanding of the perception of time. You I mean you know what I mean. T- tell a kid he has to wait or she has to wait until the end of the week or something. It's like, oh my God, are you kidding me? I can't believe I can't wait that long. Oh my God, the end of the week is going to be this is so long. We all know it's not long at all. Boom, snap your fingers. It'll be the end of the week. We'll be here. That's even true when you get older, but you're still young. You know, tell a 15-year-old. It'll be only one more year until you get your driver's license. Oh, my God, how can I wait another year? That's an eternity. And we all know that's not that long. I remember driving around on Ringgold Road when I was a kid. I can't remember exactly where. I think it was right at Germantown. It might have been where the Walgreens is now. There was some kind of store. I don't even know what kind of store it was, but there was a sign, a clock on the outside. That said, it was like one of those clocks you see at uh, like a countdown scoreboard clock. You'd see it like out of the ballparks. And it would say countdown to Christmas. And it would have the n- amount of days. And if it was deep and, you know, long ways away early in the year and we'd drive by it. And my dad would be like, hey, look, there's a countdown to Christmas sign. Like 260 days till Christmas. It was like, oh, God, I'm never going to make it 260 days. But so we understand that as children. But really, when you consider that a large percentage of our attention spanless population that really lack any kind of emotional self-control can truly be categorized as adult children. And it's really no surprise to all the overreactions to everything coming out of the White House. These overreactions are symptoms of many things, but one in particular, it's the lack of consistent, logical perception of the passage of time. The 2020 campaigns for the President of the United States election are going to be getting started up literally, roughly, in probably a little bit less than two years from right now. 2019, probably August, might even be July, could be June. 2019, two years or less from right now. It was January of this year just the other day. It's going to be September in like two days from now. It will be the turn of the calendar, the holidays, and winter 2018 in like a month. What's my point? I always say it. Time flies and ain't got a damn thing to do with whether you're having any fun or not. And while people understand this, while grown adults understand this when they look at their kids and they look at their daily life and their ins and outs, you know, they say, well, where have the time gone? Little Johnny's getting so big. Oh, my God, I can't believe he's five already. Like, we understand it when it comes to that. But when it comes to politics or the latest quote unquote breaking news or the latest talking head show that night on TV or the latest Facebook click and post you just saw or the latest tweet that you just saw, people freak out not understanding that this isn't that big a deal. This time is going to move right along and none of this is that big of a deal. The White House is a mess. This administration is a complete embarrassment. And it's not a big deal. Don Trump is running this country like a reality TV show. And
and it's not a big deal. And though we're not an LLC or a bottom line corporation, Don Trump is operating as if this country were his family run business. And it's not a big deal. I have said it since right after the 2016 election, extreme politics don't work. Don Trump will not win a second term. He won't be around long enough to have any irreparable damage. Damage to be sure, but nothing that can't be repaired. Whatever he Fs up, a Democrat or, oh, I don't know, maybe a real Republican will absolutely be able to be fixed. So forgetting that time flies, you'll wake up and it'll be next year, and then you'll wake up and it'll be the year after that, is what's causing all this overreaction, angst and anxiety, and the excitement on the other side. It's all overreaction. I've said it over and over, this Bernie Trump 2016 blow it up shit is stupid. Here's what happens when one extreme tries to quote unquote blow it up. You get a damn mess. And this too shall pass. And as a presidential historian John Meacham said recently, and I'm just paraphrasing here, is on NBC, he hopes that this, this time frame, 16 to 20, will just be a footnote in American history. Four years of a waste of America's time. And another thing I mentioned at the end of last year, give Trump enough rope and he'll hang himself. He's already almost done it and we're just getting started. Give Trump enough rope and he'll hang himself. Just give it to him. The power of the presidency was kept purposely limited by the founders of the Constitution for just this situation. This administration can do no irreparable harm this embarrassing short stretch of American history is really not that big a deal. Coming up next, a quick rundown of my trip to Nashville for the friendly between Manchester City and Tottenham and a conversation with the chairman of the board of directors of the Chattanooga Football Club. Coming up next on the Weekly Dose for August 2nd, 2017, this is a Stone on Air podcast. Copy that memo. in the Gold Cup, you've had over 100,000 people watch two matches here within the last month. I, I, I think it, it, uh, it's indicative that Nashville is a city that is ready for big-time soccer. The Predators showed that, that Nashville is a serious sports town, and, and I think these last two events have, have, have shown that Nashville is a serious soccer town. Audio courtesy of the Tennessean newspaper, and more specifically their website, 
Nashville's paper of record. That was John Ingram, the owner of the Nashville SC, Nashville Soccer Club, making the move up to a higher level of soccer next year. And conversations, whispers, and talks of Nashville trying to get an MLS team. Manchester City and Tottenham played a friendly at Nissan Stadium in the final weekend of July. 56,000 paid to see it. And I don't know if Manchester City plays this every time they get a goal in Manchester, UK, but every time they scored a goal, which was three of them on that Saturday evening, the PA system played Oasis Rock and Roll Star. I'm an incredible, crazy Oasis fan and kind of all things Euro trash all the way around. So after a day of drinking, I was having a hell of a time jamming out to Oasis every time Manchester City put a, put the biscuit in the basket, as they say. I guess they say that in hockey. Coming up here in just a couple of minutes, Tim Kelly, chairman of the board of directors from the Chattanooga Football Club, is going to jump on, talk a little bit about his thoughts on MLS expansion, um, his thoughts on this past season of the Chattanooga Football Club, and potentially moving up to another level into professional soccer with the CFC. Is it a good idea? Is it not a good idea? Are there pros? Are there cons? Well, of course there are. Tim will tell us all about that here in just a couple of minutes. But, yeah, so I was trying to put together a full weekend in Nashville. I <clears throat> I don't need a whole lot of a reason to go to Nashville, Tennessee. It has become one of my favorite cities in the South. Really one of my favorite cities I've ever been to. Not exactly I'm a really well-traveled person, but I've been a, to a handful of places in the States, and Nashville's right there near the top and a place I always like to go. So I had all these plans, all these like perfect situations and then that one didn't work out okay let's try plan b hey plan b is gonna work and then that one didn't work out so then it's like okay let's see plan c hey looks like plan c is gonna work and then that one didn't plan out and so finally i said you know what screw this i'm not going to nashville screw this the stupid soccer game uh i'm out well it turns out my work uh, is uh, uh, heineken is one of the brands that we carry and heineken's one of the global sponsors main sponsors of international soccer and so the all the tennessee distributors of heineken were sending as many people as we wanted from our distributors to the game for free and to the hard rock cafe for a big um rooftop party for most of the day and my work was chartering a bus uh you know a pretty nice tour bus up there and back and so i said you know what maybe Maybe I'll do this. Now, the idea of drinking on a bus and, you know, yucking it up and having some fun on the way up to Nashville, hitting up the rooftop, going to the game, that all sounded fun. Ten hours later of travel and drinking with a bunch of people that I mostly like, but a couple of them might irritate me too. I don't know. We all irritate each other in the end. And maybe that's not such a good idea. Well, I decided to do it anyway because it was a gorgeous day. And... I was wrong. It was absolutely fun. The trip back was fine. The trip up was great. The Heineken party was incredible. And uh, the soccer game was a ton of fun. And Nissan Stadium was darn near filled. 56,000, 69 plus-ish is the uh, 
the the exact capacity, but the 56 plus thousand was the attendance, and it's the highest attended soccer game in the history of the state of Tennessee. And right now, Major League Soccer is on the radar of Nashville uh, billionaire millionaire types that see the success of the Predators and potentially invest in Major League Soccer. Now, I love the Predators and think it was a fun run to the Stanley Cup Finals, and they've been pretty good for the last couple of years, but the Titans have been kind of a bore fest here recently, and I don't quite understand that because they're a better team than they used to be, and it used to be Titans crazyville in Nashville. So I think Nashville might have a little bit of that, yeah, we love you when you're good, but what have you done for me lately? We'll wait and see as the NFL's football season is right around the corner. Going to the Stone on Air Newsmaker line, if you will. And I'll bring on Tim Kelly. Hello, Tim. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Chairman of the Board of Directors. Is that at least one correct way of, 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 of your title? Yes, that's, yep, that's accurate. Well, I'm going to get to the CFC here in a minute as the season wrapped up a couple of weeks ago at the, the tail end of July. First of all, I want to jump in real quick. I, this worked out pretty good. We were going to talk last week at the end of July, but it didn't work out. But then it worked out this week, and it works out better for me, actually, because I ended up in Nashville for a, the, uh, I guess it was a friendly. I don't, I don't Yeah. Yeah, Manchester City and, uh, and uh, Tottenham. And Tottenham, I'll, exactly. Get to that here in a minute, too. We put a, a peg in both of those, but... Just this might be a mischaracterization uh, of you, just but from me talking to you over the past about soccer in American football, and excuse me, American sports. Period. You can have a big football fan who doesn't really like the NFL but loves college. You can get a basketball fan who loves the NBA, but the college basketball doesn't do a whole lot for them. Um, is uh-huh. it fair for me to say MLS is not your fa- favorite of, of leagues that you follow? Meaning that that it's, I mean, it's surely it's soccer, so you enjoy it. But it seems to be that the lower levels in the, the the English leagues seem to be what you have paid more attention to over the years. Is that even a fair assessment at all? That would be a fair assessment. Yes, it would be. Atlanta entering MLS made it a little more interesting, but there's still something. Yeah, I think that's uh, a fair. It's a fair statement. <laughs> well, the reason I ask you that is, is because uh, I want your opinion on what Nashville is thinking about doing. Because while it's in no way exactly what you guys are, could at least kicking around ideas here, it is got a little bit of similarities. The uh, Manchester yep. City game and uh, Tottenham was uh, up at uh, LP, excuse me, Nissan Stadium over the final weekend of July. And they set the record for attendance in the state of yeah. Tennessee at 56 plus some thousand. And there's been a lot of discussion about th- that being kind of a catalyst to also having several other big attended games over the last couple of years as to Nashville getting a, uh, a, a team in, in Major League Soccer. And this is my question to you as far as Major League Soccer goes. In most other American sports, we tend to have the best players in the world for the most part. MLS, mm. do they? I, my guess is they don't generally have the best players. Do you know much about it from that aspect? Yeah, no, that's 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 fair. No, they they don't, and that's because oddly enough, the MLS, like a lot of American sports leagues, is you know in many ways this is the most capitalistic country on the planet. But when it comes to sports league, we're actually the most socialistic. And that's true. Those the you know the MLS is a single entity that employs all those players. They actually work for MLS as an entity and then kind of get loaned to each team. And on the open market, the rest of the of world soccer is a really vicious and competitive open player market. And very frankly, you know, MLS, let alone all the teams in MLS, can't really afford 
uh, the best players in the world. So what we get now is some really good up-and-coming players, which is great, and, and you got a lot of, of young American players that come up through the system, uh, and then you get some guys that are wrapping their careers up that are coming over and playing, and that's great too, and it's gotten kind of a reputation. That it makes Don Garber mad when people call it a elephant's graveyard, but, you know, I mean, that's just where it is right now uh, as, as, as a developing league. So uh, because of that, it gets a lot of eye rolls from, from kind of, purest American soccer fans. I'm not a snob about it. I mean, I'll watch the games and there's some good soccer to be to be uh, watched there. Um, but it's definitely not the same level uh, as watching, say, Tottenham and Man City. Sure. Well, I'm, I'm a firm believer of the other major sports, uh, Major League Baseball. There was even retraction talk, you know, 10, 15 years right. ago because there's too, many, there's too many teams and not enough good players to go around. And right. w- would you, at, at 22 teams in, in MLS, I'm a little concerned. I mean, right now Atlanta is uh, is on fire, and they're setting attendance yep. records across the league at uh, 46-plus thousand a game. Seattle Sanders, Sounders, who are the, the, the uh, reigning champions, at 42,000. Yep. And then it drops way off. Toronto at 26, Orlando City at 25, LA Galaxy at 22 with all those millions of people to pull from. I'm just concerned yeah. if Nashville might be just getting a little bit excited about uh, the, the buzz that has really been hitting the Southeast. And does it concern yeah. you to put this many teams in a league, no matter what the, the competition level is? It does. And, you know, Atlanta has a long history of uh, kind of getting dazzled by novelty and then getting bored and wandering off. And Very true. And these teams are, are uh, you know, look, uh, it was Arthur Blank's incredible virtuosity, I think, and, and all the respect he gets in the Atlanta business community that really fueled that. And, hey, listen, I mean, we made Chattanooga deserve a tiny little hair's breadth slice of credit because they came up a couple of years ago before they cranked up and looked at our supporter culture and looked what we were doing and kind of went to school on us. So, um, you know, they, they, they did a really good job in Atlanta. I mean, and I hope it does last and I think it will last, but a lot of, a lot of these guys, very frankly, are just billionaires that are coming at it from the top down not the bottom up like we've done it in Chattanooga sure. and and just dropping in a lot of marketing money and a lot of flash and and hoping that it works right and 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 it's you know good on them for risking all that capital because if it doesn't work they're going to be really really sorry about it but uh but yeah it is it's it, the judging if they're looking at Atlanta I'm sure they're emboldened by that and and uh and thinking that uh that they're they're going to be able to make a go of it Conversely, if you look at the uh, the track record of attendance of of uh, uh, the, the the Nashville teams that we've played against, they you know they haven't drawn anything like the crowds we've drawn in Chattanooga. And certainly, the populations there in Nashville, the economic growth is there in Nashville. Uh, what remains to be seen is whether they have an Arthur Blank in the form of uh, the Ingram family that can pull off the same kind of miracle. Tim Kelly, my guest on the Stone On Air podcast. I'm going to come back to that and correlate that with the Chattanooga Football Club in a minute. Let's just jump back to the end of the season, though. Uh, the Blue Ridge Derby with uh, Asheville. Such a cool mm-hmm. idea. And I mean, I don't need to tell you anything about business, and I'm sure you're two or three steps ahead of me, but I can see just endless possibilities with collaborations with the CVB of 
or the Asheville yeah. Visitors Bureau where you could put – I'd love to see it on a Saturday where you could really push um, yearly uh, trips to Asheville. I would drop anything to go to Asheville, North Carolina. It's one of, totally. my fa- one of my favorite cities. And I think a lot of people who have lived in Asheville their whole life would love to see what a similar kind of city progressive the way Chattanooga is these days. I think you could really make something huge out of this. Talk to the, the Derby, the idea of putting it together, and, and what you feel for in the future with the, with the Asheville well, team and Chattanooga. You nailed it. I mean, you really did. It's good to hear you say that, to know you're kind of thinking about it the same way because I – there was there were times where I thought I you know maybe had lost my mind and everybody else wasn't on the same page. But uh, Sean McDaniel and I went over. We we basically took took on Asheville as a little miniature consulting agreement and went over and kind of helped them get set up as a team. We were hugely impressed. I mean, we we knew that they would be successful before they knew it. Very frankly, because Asheville is so much like Chattanooga. Or, you know, conversely, we may flatter ourselves to an extent that way. We might. But there were so many good parallels. And, and the, you know, the, the basis for good supporter culture was already there. We just knew it, right? So, sure enough, as the season progressed, they did really well. and But we didn't draw them for our regular season schedule. So, um, Sean and I came up with this notion to do this, you know, Darby and, and um, uh, you know, involve their, their main sponsor is High Wire Brewing. Chattanooga Brewing Company is not our main sponsor, but they're one of our major sponsors. And uh, Mark Markham over there had an old beer keg, and you know we this all came up. We we kind of ginned it all up in the span of a week, really, and uh, did the designs and the t-shirts, and you know that that's how we've always done things at Chattanooga Football Club. Yeah, pulled a rabbit out of a hat, and See there we go. Works. So yeah. we hope that it will be the basis for exactly as you say. Uh, you know, in, in future years we'll have more time. We couldn't do it this year because we had playoffs. We were both up against. We didn't know whether it would be in them or, you know, the scheduling wasn't as easy. But that's exactly what we see is in future years involving the CVBs and involving the breweries more and really making a thing of it. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Asheville's now my my second favorite uh, MPSL team. Uh, yeah, K. mine too. I mean, <laughs> listen, I'm I'm going over next year for it for sure. Uh, real quick on the just the, the the season that concluded at the end of July, uh, okay season, I guess. We we're, we set the yeah. bar awfully high. Your thoughts just to, just to evaluate yeah. the 17 season? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, look, we it. I will say this privately, and it's one of those things that you just the, the, the years like this make you just kick yourself, and they they reinforce all kinds of crazy superstitions about jinxes but we we talked about how good this team was on paper coming in they were really good on paper they should have stomped the mopped the floor with everybody but you can't it's just so difficult to quantify team chemistry and you know you're a baseball fan you remember some of those you know really really hefty payrolls that george steinbrenner accumulated a lot smarter guy a lot more experienced than little old Chattanooga football club, and if they can't pull it off, then, you know, it could pretty much happen to anybody. And uh, and it happened to us. I mean, they were good, but if you came to games and watched, they had they dominated possession. They had tons of scoring, scoring chances. I'm not smart enough to know why they yeah. couldn't quite put it together, but they, they couldn't. It happens, right? Well, the, the reason for reaching out the other day to talk to you was less about the season because most fans already, you know, experienced and saw how the season went. So we, we could talk about that at any time in the offseason, but I read the, the piece in the Chattanooga Times Free Press, and when I started reading more about Nashville and their potential bid for an uh, MLS team and then this potential of the CFC maybe moving up from the MPSL – 
And uh, that scared me initially when I first heard about it. I mean, the, the NPSL is the exact opposite of the MLS. They have 14 uh, conferences and 96 teams, lots yeah. and lots and lots of teams, some better than others. Just to show the growth of the league overall, the NPSL specifically, in the last 10 years, the franchise fees have tripled, as well as the annual league fees from uh, $5,000 10 years ago to $15,000. That's the initial franchise yeah. fee. And that's a hefty jump. That shows a healthy uh, a very healthy league. Um, I guess maybe it depends on how you're viewing it with 96 teams across well, the country. Or, uh, and look, I think it's uh, nuanced, shall we say. I, I mean, it, I think it's great because it reflects general enthusiasm for soccer in the country. But again, the MLS business model is um, kind of a billion playground. And I think, I guess if you were looking at it skeptically, you might look at it and say, could be kind of a bubble. Uh, I will say the the model that we're looking at is there, there are really two camps, to be quite honest, in American soccer. You've got the MLS and USL, which are franchise models, very top-down, a lot of super wealthy guys um, putting money in and creating this as, as, as uh, asset plays because the teams keep going up and up in money, even though they actually lose money, a lot of them, most of them. The side that we're on is really more what, what Peter Wilt is trying to do with NISA, is is more modeled after European soccer culture. He wants to institute pro-rel, promotion and relegation. Uh, I think what they see down the road is the NPSL joined up with this new third division league, NISA, joined up with the NASL. Uh, and that's a bit of a pipe dream at this point, honestly, but it's not certainly impossible. And... Um, and it's it's much more consistent with the soccer culture around the world. Well, I thought so. it was awfully I thought it was awfully uh, uh, bold and candid of you to say, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the piece in front of me. It's over in my recycle bin of mess of papers I have over here. Uh, but basically, saying that in some ways you could say your your team is a and the league is a glorified adult rec league. Well, it is. It is the very. Now that being said, not to, I mean, listen, I play. You can go play adult rec and see some really really good soccer. I've yeah, played yeah, for yeah. Twenty years, right? But. But the, it's, we are not governed by U.S. soccer. We're governed by the United States Amateur Soccer Association. So just, a, just, just, just to keep it simple, with just a few, you know, a handful of small sentences, uh, the, the pros and cons to stay in the NPSL or, or moving up, just a handful of small things that, like, fans would notice okay. who might not follow the league really close. So, yeah, pros, uh, more affordable ticket because the players don't get paid, much more intimate connection with, with the players. The cons are, shorter season you know we we we, we can't we, we're limited to probably six seven home games uh if you don't make the playoffs with mpsl so pros for for moving up would be a much longer season cons would be slightly more expensive ticket but at the third division those guys the players would be a lot of the players that we have now who have day jobs around town and or coach soccer or maybe that maybe they're coaches at local schools they'd just be getting paid to play as well. So we think that, that what we're looking at doing, and we're not going to do it next year, I'll get that out of the way, but if we do it, the reason we will be doing it is because it's the way to move up and still preserve the unique soccer culture of, of uh, Chattanooga FC, the fundamental culture of the team. I'll get you out of here in just a sec. I know you got traveling no and stuff to do, but uh, I want to use a quote that you used with me on one of my podcasts about a year ago. You said uh, you kind of quoted as saying that good is the, uh, the enemy of great. And yeah, um, could this be a situation where you could double-edged sword that, where where you don't want to stay here because you feel like it's good enough, but you're you're almost great. But if you move up, yeah. you might 
be stuck to good. Is, does that make any sense? Like, there's, is there concern of like yeah. you don't you don't want to fight against yourself and then realize you found yourself right where you already thought you might have been? You know, maybe asking for a little too much. I don't. I'm just you just evaluate how you. No, think that's about right. That. I mean. I mean, I think about it exactly the same way. Very frankly, we, we could have already moved out to a professional league uh, a number of times, but they would have been models that made our tickets super expensive or we'd have had to bring an outside investor in and we would have been just another team, right? Our prime directive is to be, has always been, our, we have a mission statement, is to be the best amateur team in the country. And we won the Steinbrecher Cup a couple of years ago and we accomplished that. So, I, I, yeah, I'd rather be the best that we can be uh, at what we're doing, um, but at some point, you know, you kind of got to break that orbit and go to the next one. I think the question is when. That's really the question. You just mentioned when is not 2018, so we're looking forward to another no. season as we're all used to as uh, hooligans yep. and fans of the team, and then we'll evaluate going forward. Exactly. Tim, thank you, man. I appreciate you taking time anytime you get the podcast some time. Tim Kelly, thank you. Thanks, man. Thank you. And I think that will be a pretty good place to wrap that up right now there thank you tim kelly for jumping on here and i'll just tell you this right now they're gonna make the move up to a, a higher level if, if you're just wanting my straight opinion um they're not gonna stick it around being an amateur team not when there's more money to be made not when there's more advancements to be made and not when there's more um competition to be had that's that that's that's what competition and, and these kinds of sporting uh, entities and and franchises are all about they're not around just sitting around, just hoping to have a good time every week. They're trying to get better. They're trying to beat the best. They're trying to be the best. And there's no reason to not give it a try. At first, I was a little worried. I was like, don't mess with a good thing. But, I mean, yeah, still get one of the cons. The tickets might go up. So damn what? You know why Riverbend costs 40 bucks? Because it sucks. For 15 years, Frank Burke sat around saying, oh, I never raised ticket prices. It's like, dude, your tickets are like six bucks. Why don't you raise them and put some more money into the, to the stadium and have better promotions and have better nights out of the ballpark? Well, a new ownership comes in, raises ticket prices, probably raises some food prices as well, and also has increased the promotions, the giveaways, everything about the game day experience is better. People will pay for high-quality entertainment, and if it costs a little bit more, but you have a, 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 a better product on the field and a more competitive league, people will pay it. People love this team, and they love this atmosphere, and it's not going to go away because it costs a couple of extra bucks. So I see them going up here in the near future. I don't see Nashville getting a, a team in MLS anytime soon. Uh, they might eventually, but I don't think there's any reason to rush that as they're making their, their jump into the lower levels of professional soccer as well. All right, we'll do this thing again next week. Appreciate you guys jumping in here. My name is Brian Stone. This is the Stone On Air Podcast. Like, share, and always love. Rate and review if you get a chance. Don't be a fraud. The truth is easy to remember. And watch this space. See you later. Bye.